on today's show. I mean, one big thing for me is, um, Eric, when are you thinking of publishing this? Probably will be in, I think it'll be in like probably late June. Great. So this is, this is, this is my big secret, Eric. Okay. So we're going to talk about my big secret because okay. it will no longer be needed. Good. Okay, um, great. So this is the good stuff. This is the family jewels. Yes. I realized early on that like the big thing with selling books is just asking people one-on-one. So I just, I just ask people, hmm. I just, you know, if people like if I post something on LinkedIn um, and it, you know, about the book and there's a link to the book, no one buys it. Hmm. Maybe 500 people like it. But if I send a message to those 500 people, probably a hundred of them buy the book. Wow. Interesting. Um, Makes sense though. Yeah. And so I just found that like a one-on-one direct ask um, is dramatically the most effective thing. And I haven't seen other authors do that. Five, four, three, two, one, one. Welcome to the Creator Institute podcast. Your host, Erin Koster. On today's show, we get to hang out with Alan Gannett literally two weeks before he is launching his book, and it's a fun conversation. We get to hear a little bit about how he thinks about his book, largely from a a, a standpoint of marketing it. And what I love about this conversation is going to teach us how to think about the fact that 99% of the people that Alan is planning to influence with his book will never actually read it. It's a great conversation. I've known Alan for a while. He's an awesome, dynamic young founder, founder of a company called TrackMaven, raised tons and tons of money and this book is totally taking off. So great stuff. I'm super excited to hang out with Alan. I think you're going to love it. And Alan Gannett, ladies and gentlemen. Alan, gosh, this is great to be able to hang out. (laughs) How are you? Uh, So exciting. And uh, I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. And although, like I said, I have to give you a little bit of a hard time. I thought I was going to get a hug before we start our podcast. But the fact that this guy is running a business and launching a book makes it difficult to schlep himself all the way over to Georgetown. So we are doing this virtually. (laughs) And uh, I'm getting a virtual hug instead of a live one. You're getting like five Um, virtual hugs. So so many virtual hugs. It's the best thing ever. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, we were just talking about this before, but, you know, tell me a little bit about what it's been like to, you're, you're not, you know, it's not like you have a normal job. You're a startup founder and a, 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 a you know, a, he- a heavy duty one of that. Um, and you've decided to launch a book. It's a no kidding around like book. Um, how's it been to sort of balance it all? Has it been, have you sort of found yourself a little crazy? Yeah, it's sort of, it's been interesting. I mean, I've been working on the book for three years, so it's sort of been, a a slow roll for most of the book writing process. It actually wasn't too crazy because basically I carved out, <laughs> you know, Sundays and then a couple evenings um, during the week. And it was sort of my pet project. And basically for two years, I like, wasn't a very good friend. Like I was just like less social. I was that friend who on a Saturday be like, it's 11. I'm going to bed because <laughs> I, because Sunday morning is my best writing hours. And so I had to become very routine and sort of it's interesting once the writing was done, I'm like, wow, like people stay up on Saturdays. Like this is crazy. (laughs) Um, And then right now, like literally right now, you know, just for the sort of few weeks around the actual book launch, it's also insane because I have, you know, running the company and then also promoting the book. And so basically it's just, it's, uh, I, I mean, I think people, you know, woe is me, right? It's life is great, but it is like, it is like a lot of literal hours just because 
the both things still exist. You know, one doesn't shrink because the other one exists. So these are these are not even first world problems. These are like zeroth world problems. But <laughs> problems, problems. Your life is great. Right, right. You have more uh, Maven. Your your lovely little puppy, uh, not a puppy anymore, but lovely little puppy has to have more dog walking <laughs> from other people than you. So yes. I get it. I guess. Yes, yeah. I, I I don't think if I was a single guy with no kids, I could do this. You know, I could barely handle having a dog and doing all this. Right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, these tiny little humans make all these sorts of things. Uh, slightly more challenging, so um, <laughs> but it's good. I, I think you know. I think it's a it's one of those things too that you know. I, I'm. It's been um, it's been fun to watch you, and I think it's been neat to sort of see. I think you you said it well that this has kind of been a three year odyssey. And what I find always interesting when I talk to lots of authors is is that in people's heads who've never done this before, they think of like the launch as a moment. Like you have a launch day. What day did your book mm. launch? And I think what's been interesting about you, and, and again, you and I've known each other for a while. I've known you since one of the first people I met when I moved to DC. So I blame you. And I think uh, I met you when I was like 19. Yeah, like I think yeah. we've known each other for like, Almost a decade. That's exactly right. It's it's uh, crazy. I mean, I'm sorry to to have been here for all these formative adventures. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so you've you've actually like the thing that I always think about is the book has been this interesting way to kind of like tell give people a reason to listen to you about all the stuff you've been doing for a long time. So tell me a little bit about how you've been approaching it. Cause you're absolutely right. Your book launch has been three years of a book launch as much as anything, rather than sort of like I launched my book on, I don't know, what is it? June 10th or you're launching it or June 15th or something. June 12th. June 12th. It's almost here. Almost here. Ah! Yeah. So, uh, so tell me how you've thought about it. Cause it seems different than maybe some people imagine. Sure. So, you know, so just for context, I run a company called TrackMaven. It's a six-year-old company. We are a marketing analytics company. So we like to say that we're sort of the science behind iconic brands. We work with a lot of big consumer brands like the NBA, Saks Fifth Avenue, uh, Neiman Marcus. And we basically uh, take their marketing data and help them understand using data what they should do more of, what they should do less of. So I've always been a big believer in the overlap of sort of left brain, right brain, mm-hmm. this idea that you can apply rationality and systems to creativity. And so... Back in 2015, early 2015, I started giving this talk all about creativity and how creativity, when you actually read the history of creativity and the stories of creative geniuses, it's not the story of people just popping out of the womb with all this creative talent. Like, that's actually not the story. The story right. is not, it's not even just a story of hard work. It's a story of hard, thoughtful work. And that intentionality, right. I think, right. is actually really powerful because it means Are you saying that, the Apple's you know, bullshit? The Apple is bullshit or something? <laughs> it is bullshit. It's falling. You've, you've ruined, Chris. It's like you've told me that this, uh, this guy in a red suit doesn't exist, Alan. What are you talking about? Wait, he doesn't exist? Oh, my God. I know, I know. Um, and so I was giving this talk and um, I, the talk was people really liked the talk. I started, I wrote some blog articles kind of about this and it sort of morphed into this thing where I was like, wow, this message is really resonating with marketers, which is my core audience. Um, it morphed into a book proposal. And then, you know, I started realizing as I was forming the book proposal that it's not just marketers who have this sort of misunderstanding around creativity, but it's actually all aspiring creatives. And so broadened again, and then you actually write the book and research the book and, um, as you do that, you learn more and your theories develop. And then, you know, my, the keynote that I give about this topic has developed. And so, and then, you know, you start getting invited to do interviews and panels about the topic. And so it all sort of becomes this like beautiful, messy stew, not even a soup. It's like a <laughs> stew of stuff. Jambalaya and, uh, is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah jambalaya. And, and I think, you know, you view this stuff as sort of a long arc, right? So I started mm-hmm. doing 
a lot more social media stuff about um, a year ago, mm-hmm. sort of knowing that the book was coming out now. And so I think a lot of the stuff that's going, you know, the book launch right now, you know, books can come out imminently. Um, it's going well from a prep perspective. And so, and a lot of that I think wouldn't have been possible if I had just started from zero, right. you know, this right. week, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think you're, I think you're, um, and I think you've also, one of the other things that's been enjoyable to watch about your, your, your experience as a, as sharing this out there is I think I would say you're someone who gives away a lot of stuff in a positive way. Like you're always giving out, you know, insights and pieces of the book and things like that. Like, how have you feel, felt that? Because I think it's one of those things that when you're, it's funny, you're asking someone to buy a, you know, a $20 book <laughs> and you know, like that's, it's way harder than selling like a $20,000 a month software package. Sometimes, right? like, <laughs> oh, totally. And so I, I thought you'd be surprised. Yeah. I people know. are, people are, it's hard to sell books. Yeah, it's really a challenging thing. So I guess, how have you felt? Um, so what's been your strategy a little bit to sort of say, I'm giving all this stuff away. Cause you have, you do just give a lot of things out there to people to help them in their, in their adventures. How, how does that you know, formulate your strategy a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things I do with the book that's different is, you know, the book, the, I think the typical business book sort of in my category of books, which is sort of the pop psych right. category, it tends to be like the first chapter is the big thesis. Mm-hmm. And then every other chapter is like a story supporting the thesis. Like mm-hmm. that's the sort of classical structure. Mm-hmm. And I went out and said, you know, I've read tons and tons of business books. And I just think that's a really, I've gotten bored with that structure. It used to be fun, but I've gotten bored with it. And so what I attempted to do with this book um, is basically every chapter is basically like a mini book. Like there's, there's learnings, there's stories, there's anecdotes, there's science. Every chapter in of itself could basically be a self-contained little tiny 20 page book. And the result is that it's just a lot more sort of information packed than your typical pop psych book. And so as a result, giving stuff away, it's like, well, there's a ton in the book, right? So it's like, if I give away, you know, uh, a bunch of points, like I might be giving away 5% of the book versus I think for a lot of business books, they usually have one core thesis that they just, you know, support over and over. And then, so if you give away the main thesis, you're kind of giving away the book. You can just read the summary at that point. And so um, that's been how I think about it is just like, I try and be pretty information dense. And, And it's interesting. I mean, the, you know, kind of to what you're saying before and, in terms of sort of the platform stuff, it's, you know, it's been really cool to see like the book, um, a bunch of our customers at TrackMaven get re- have gotten really excited about it. They've hmm. invited me to come speak at like their team and executive leadership retreats and, um, you know, something that as a business owner, we're constantly want to do, like we constantly want to like engage our clients better and we're constantly sort of bugging them to like, let us come on side and do all right. the stuff. Now right. so, like, they're like, they're like, can you please come? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to, I would love to be there. Right. Right. Um, and so that's been the interesting thing is I think just by putting sort of things out there that are knowledge and value and educational, um, you know, people just generally, they, they, those are things people want. And now all of a sudden, instead of just being that annoying CEO, who's like, can I come meet your CMO? Um, they view as someone you can actually learn from. So it, it sort of changes the equation in that way. Yeah. And so, you know, it's funny you say that. It, one of the things that's interesting, you know, obviously like I helped help all these sort of young folks, uh, young, young people launch books. And um, one of the things that we do a lot of is we help, we really get them active on sharing their story and their insights from the book on social media. And so they're posting a lot, you know, y- you share an awful lot. And one of the things I get pushed back on is like, aren't people going to find me annoying at a certain point? I'm always sharing stuff out there. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you know, tell me a little bit more about that because it's been, you know, I would say you, you're not shy on the social medias. I mean, there's something coming out 
regularly <laughs> from you and, and every, every day, day at least and, and on every platform. Have you gotten that feedback at all or what's been the, like, how have you looked at that as a, um, that thing? So I, I think I'm lucky in that obviously I run a social media analytics company. And so like social media marketing is kind of a prerequisite for running a social media analytics Turns company. Out. And so I think, I think generally my audience is sort of more, they generally seem to like and enjoy like seeing what my different techniques and tactics are than anything mm-hmm. else. But mm-hmm. there's definitely people who um, have probably found it annoying, but I find that the vast majority is the opposite. The vast majority is I'd say probably my positive to negative sort of common ratios, literally probably 98 to two. Right. Um, and you know, the more common experiences, you know, I'll be at, you know, it's, it's, it's neat. It's like, I'll now I do a lot of videos on LinkedIn and like um, I go to like a marketing conference and, you know, I'm doing a session. I've been talking at all these marketing conferences for years, but now when I do a session, it's full. Right. And um, people sort of will recognize me in the hallway and uh, ask about track maven and want to learn more. And there's just there's more of a pull. And so it is really interesting seeing that, um, you know, obviously being someone who's always supported marketers, just doing more sort of personal marketing. It's been interesting to see that. And it's actually been a really good learning experience. I've learned a lot of things that have turned into some best practice guides for our clients just around um, how to do certain techniques and how to do certain things. And it's been fun to have a little playground, so to speak, to experiment. What have been some of the interesting things that you, what's been sort of the cool uh, random connections or reconnections that have surprised you? You know, have, they, have you had anyone from like oh, preschool who reconnected with you? You're like, oh gosh, like I haven't talked to you in years. Oh yeah. Oh no, totally. There's totally a lot of the, a lot and love any of you if you're listening, but like a lot of random high school acquaintances, like all that pops up. Like, you know, the person who was my boss when I was an intern at 16, (laughs) um, like all that, all that sort of stuff definitely, uh, definitely pops up. And it's also been amazing just like the opportunities that have popped up. Like, you know, you'll get these emails from people who are like, Hey, um, can you come speak this? I won't say the company name, but it's like a huge financial services. But they're like, Hey, can you come speak to our entire marketing executive team? And I was like, yeah, I can. Like I would definitely Absolutely. love to do that. And it's just like, you get these random emails and you're like, Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and so that's just been really cool. Is like having that serendipity. I've also actually made a bunch of new friends mm-hmm. just because you start seeing like who else is doing interesting stuff in the sort of personal branding space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you have shared interests around audience building and all this stuff. And so, it's been cool just, you know, I, I travel a lot for work. I'm constantly meeting customers and prospects. And so it's been cool to have some new friends in different cities. And it's been a really enriching experience. I mean, the, the one thing I think that scares people about it that I think is a, a false um, premise is they're like, well, like, I don't want to like, I don't want to have my whole life be public. And right. I think the thing they forget is like, it's still marketing. Like I'm not, I can show whatever part of my life I want to. Mm-hmm. Like there's tons of parts of my life I don't show online and I don't, you know, I don't let people into, and that's a choice, right? There's, if I wanted to, there's more stuff. There's, you know, not saying I have secrets, but there's like, you know, there's (laughs) multiple dimensions. There's multiple dimensions of any person. And so I think people forget that they have control over what dimensions they share and what they keep to themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what's been, well, the other thing that I think is really an interesting piece of this is you share a lot of the, how the, how the book is being made, how the book is being marketed. And so sometimes there's this sense to say, I'm going to say nothing about the book itself. And then on launch day, I'm going to like have this massive launch. And I think what we learned a lot with our, our student authors is we tell them, Hey, you need to be, you know, our, our authors, you need to start telling these stories much, much earlier because people want to feel a part of the process. How, how did that come together for you? And why have you seen that be successful? Yeah. So 
how, you know, I think, I think about a lot about narratives when it comes to marketing and how you want to create stories and drama and suspense and emotion. <laughs> Usually these emotions already exist. It's just whether or not you share them. And so, you know, for example, um, you know, it's always really exciting as an author when you get the first copy of your book. That's right. Or you, you know, get your first, um, your cover direction. placement. Yeah, you get your yeah. cover, right? And so like when I got my cover, I shared it online and it did really well. It sold a bunch of books and it got people excited and emotionally involved and other authors would just sort of text it to their friends, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I talk about with my clients is that, you know, you have, you can decide like what are moments like you can, mm-hmm. you can, there's plenty of things in your life that you typically undersell or underappreciate how other people would enjoy them or like mm-hmm. enjoy being part of them. And one thing that I had to internalize that I think, um, you know, a lot of other authors sort of maybe struggle with is that you have to internalize that this stuff that you're living with, other people are super curious about, like most people right. don't write books. So like right. they want to know what the process is like. They're super mm-hmm. interested. Like, I did a bunch of Instagram videos from when I recorded my audiobook and people mm-hmm. like I got tons of responses and a bunch of people were like really excited to order the audiobook because they like could like it's just visually interesting to see like how do you actually physically record an audiobook and it's actually it's mm-hmm. a really dark gray room that you spend 20 hours <laughs> in so like yeah and um, but that's the kind of stuff you have to recognize that a lot of times the things that to you are just part of your day to day are to other people super fascinating. Like mm-hmm. I always think about like people like watching the food network and like to right. chefs, it's literally just like, I'm just doing, I'm just cooking. Right. Yeah, and other people, it's like, wow. <laughs> right. Right. That's funny. Yeah. It's, and you know, I think it's, I think what's, what people also sometimes fail to realize there's a woman, Charlotte, who shared her draft. We give, we, we shared three draft covers. She shared out for feedback and she was like, I got some negative feedback. I didn't, you know, that's, that's awful. And I was like, you, and again, to your point, that's part of the drama and the narrative and those sorts of stories. And sort of that kind of stuff makes the, makes for the story even better when you can tell, let me tell you this, a crazy story about my cover, right? That kind of stuff is what people want to know and hear. A hundred percent. And, you know, for me, it's a great example where the cover was this like multi-pronged process. And I ended up um, hiring this guy, Rodrigo Corral, who's known, at least the New York Times calls him like the world's most famous cover designer. And he's like incredibly amazing. And him and I sort of clicked and bonded. And I did a video interview with him and I posted that on LinkedIn and that did really well. And so there's like a whole, um, you know, giving people sort of the texture and the narrative behind sort of what's going on is just is such a, is a really, really low cost, highly effective way to create content because it's just your life. It's just what's going on around you. It's just a matter of hitting record. Right. So, uh, so tell me a little bit about, I want to hear the story a little bit behind this crazy sensation uh, of ask of Alan asks, because you, know, <laughs> you, right? you, you, you know, this sort of thing like happened in this kind of, you know, you're talking about, I needed to start to develop some audience some new content. And, uh, you know, I remember, I don't know what was about like eight, nine months ago, you started like posting these little things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, these are, these are nice. And it was, you know, there you're getting a few people to watch them, I remember. And suddenly now it's like become this thing where I remember you posted something about who should go on my next Alan Asks. And like, <laughs> how did this thing come to be? And, and sort of tell me the story of this random little thing that you that you did that uh, maybe to help this book thing. And now it's... Sure. Um, so yeah, it's definitely funny. Um, so yeah, for context, for anyone who's listening, so basically I do this video series on LinkedIn twice a week. It's called Alan Asks, and I interview CEOs 
um, a bit, one leadership question. It's 90 seconds long. I shoot it on my iPhone. It's super lo-fi. You know, the only sort of quote unquote production is captions that an intern puts together. So literally I shoot it on my iPhone, I upload to Dropbox and I'm done. So it's very, very low effort. And basically it's just, I'm interviewing people I run into in my life. So like if I'm at a conference and I'm in the speakers like waiting area, I'll like bug someone. And I'm like, we're going to do a video. And they're like, okay. Um, or I'm like getting lunch with someone. I'll be like, we're doing a video. Like I just did that at lunch today, actually. With, um, <laughs> it's a really, it's a really cool. It's going to be, it's the president of Politico and she's awesome. Oh, cool. So, um, so it'll be up by before this podcast is out so you can go find it. But it's like, it was really fun. And I was just like, we're going to do a video. And she was like, uh, okay. Um, and so basically what happened was, you know, for the book, two things, one, um, for the book, I, a lot about the book is about timing and how in a lot of mediums, the important thing is to create things that are a blend of the familiar and the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk a lot in the book about why, but there's a lot of interesting studies around consumer taste and preference and how the familiar and the novel, that blend is where uh, people become really interested in ideas. And so that's one thing. And so I had this in the back of my head. And the other thing was a track maven. We have all this marketing data. And we started seeing that LinkedIn was starting to outperform Twitter in terms of engagement. And we were like, whoa, this is interesting. And so I had started been experimenting in LinkedIn. And I was getting like crazy results. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And so LinkedIn launched a, this is a really silly story, Eric. I don't know if I should tell this. No, uh, LinkedIn, no, launched, LinkedIn launched um, a video beta. Mm-hmm. And sort of I knew that, okay, like, being early to a platform is important. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of the things that I saw working on Facebook really well would probably work on um, LinkedIn. Again, this sort of idea of like familiarity and novelty. Mm-hmm. And so you know, my whole idea was like, okay, I need to get in the beta. And I was like obsessing over this. Because I'm, I'm like a dork. No, knowing you, yeah. you would obsess on something? No. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, and so I, um, <laughs> I was obsessing over this and I... Uh, I had a dream that this is literally, I had a dream. I'm just some music, music underneath this. I had a dream. <laughs> it feels like that's the right point. I had, I, I had a dream about that. I was on a rooftop bar of a hotel <laughs> and for some reason I ran into Jeff Bezos <laughs> and um, Jeff Bezos for some reason owned LinkedIn. I think my brain, I messed up Jeff Wiener and Jeff Bezos basically. Yeah. And, um, I like, I went up to Jeff Bezos who for some reason owned LinkedIn and I was like, you have to give me video access. And he was like, <laughs> um, okay. And he gave it to me like on his iPhone. And, uh, I was like, so literally the next morning I was like, I, a, I can't believe I literally had a dream about this. And two, mm-hmm. why was it Jeff Bezos? And so <laughs> then I was like, I should post this on LinkedIn. Cause I know Jeff Wiener like looks at a lot mm-hmm. of posts. At least He's active. He did. Yeah. And so I posted and I, I edited it. So I changed it from Jeff Bezos to Jeff Wiener. Cause that part was a little too confusing. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I literally wrote that, Hey, I had this dream last night that um, I met Jeff Wiener at a rooftop bar and he gave me LinkedIn video access um, I don't know what this means, but I think it means I'm like a giant dork, um, period. And so I post this and like 11 hours later, Jeff Wiener posts on it. Well, I think it means you can see the future, dot, dot, dot. You know, have access. And I was like, ah, um, yes. <laughs> and so that post blew up. That post got a million views after um, Jeff Wiener did really? it. And then I posted a video on LinkedIn the next day. Then I LinkedIn video, um, just sort of recapping the story, and that got 120,000 views. And then I was sort of off to the races. And then I sort of, I sort of had in my head that if I had access, I would do short form video because I knew mm-hmm. that it was working well on Facebook, and I knew it was something that I could do and I would enjoy. And so I just started doing it. And you know, I have a back catalog, so it's really low effort. Um, 
And, you know, I think now I've gotten over a million views total on all the videos. The average video gets about 30 to 40,000 views. Um, And it's, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's been neat because it's, you know, it's a minute and a half of unproduced Mm -hmm. video. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, people like I get emails now from like PR people like, hey, can my client get on? I'm like, I don't think you get it. This (laughs) is like, this is like what I do after lunch. Like, I'm like, hey, this is not a thing. Yeah. What was one of the ones, there's a couple of them that I thought were intriguing. I thought uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, getting Kobe Bryant uh, on that oh, was, a, was a, cause like, you know, like the dude's nickname is the Black Mamba. And so, you know, this, you come up to him, like, you know, you're sort of a funny, jolly guy, and like come up to the Black Mamba and say, hey, I want to do a video with you. How does that play out with, with, the, with that dude? <laughs> Uh, okay, so I interviewed Kobe Bryant. He gave, it was the shortest video ever done. He gave me a three-word <laughs> answer. That's mm-hmm. fine. The internet loved it. It got like a quarter mm-hmm. million views. He um, he um, was at a conference that I was at. He was a speaker. And um, I just went up to him and I was like, and by the way, I don't know anything about sports ball. So I'm like kind of clueless. So I I, I, I don't mm-hmm. tend to get starstruck. You I especially it, don't get you starstruck sports ball? You call it sports yeah, ball? Yeah, you know, all sports. sports. All sports. <laughs> and sports ball. And um, so I just went up to him and I was like, I was like, hey, I do these um, 90 second uh, leadership videos on LinkedIn. Um, could we do one? And he was like, he like looked at me with sort of a squint and he was like, Sure. And I was like, great. And so we just did it. It was wonderful. The only person who's ever turned me down, speaking of Jeff Bezos, is uh, Jeff Bezos very, very kindly and politely turned me down, uh, uh, which mm. I was like, that's fine. World's True. richest man, you know, yeah. probably aiming too high. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I mean, I would say the fact that you got Kobe Bryant to me is a bigger get than, and, you know, I'm into the sports ball. <laughs> So for me, this I don't even know yeah, exactly. I didn't even know his nickname until I posted the video. <laughs> I right? was like, "Why do they keep talking about like the man?" I was like, yeah. and then people kept saying "goat." I was like, "What's a goat?" Uh, like, I was just very confused. yeah. This this is a, this didn't end well for you, does it at all? Uh, what what about no. the other one that I enjoyed was uh, was Mark Cuban and Mark Cuban looked yeah. was like he kept, like trying to like get away while you were like do uh, you were doing your video. Yeah, he was like he was super nice. Um, basically that was at a conference and the conference organizer was like, Hey, can you record videos with the speakers? And I was like, who are the speakers? And they're like, Mark Cuban. And I was like, yeah, I can record a video with Mark Cuban. Sure. Um, and so they organized it and it was just, I, you know, I literally went into a hallway and we did it and he was super nice and laid back and, um, you know, made me laugh a couple times, told me some jokes. So yeah, it was super, it was super chill. Not a, not obnoxious at all, actually. Uh, so that's amazing. And, and I guess, do you do you have any, as you think about that, was it, it was an experiment, right? Like you sort of were running an experiment in this one. How many times, you know, that one happened to work out like a crazy man. How many of these other random experiments sort of in your, your experience with this book have not worked out so well? Oh, tons. I mean, the one that I was most surprised by is, uh, and, and other authors had told me this, but I'm stubborn. And so I was like, I'm going to experiment with it anyway. Um, but pre-order perks do not work. <laughs> I mean, That's, yeah, they just do not. And all these authors told me that, and they're like, basically, unless you're like Gary V and you have like this cult mm-hmm. of personality, but if the, the book is about ideas and the ideas are what you're selling, pre-order perks don't work. And so, um, I was like, no, I'm going to try it. And no, the pre-order perks were like a terrible failure. <laughs> um, that was really bad. Um, print media so far hasn't gone very well. But mm-hmm. podcasts have gone really well. Um, mm-hmm. Terrestrial radio. So I'm going to be on a lot of NPR. 
Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, TV and digital video have been going well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what's going on. But print is sort of like a hard, because it has sort of a more, there's sort of like this sort of, especially in books, there's sort of like a more, there's more ops, higher bar, I think, in print, just in terms of access and history and reputation to get into. Um, so that's worked really well. Um, other things that haven't worked are, uh, do, oh, I mean, just generally, I mean, one big thing for me is, um, Eric, when are you thinking of publishing this? Probably will be in, I think it'll be in like probably late June. Great. So this is, this is, this is my big secret, Eric. Okay. So we're going to talk about my big secret because okay. it will no longer be needed. Good. Okay, um, great. So this is the good stuff. This is the family jewels. Yes. I realized early on that like the big thing with selling books is just asking people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just ask people, mm-hmm. I just, you know, if people like if I post something on LinkedIn, um, and it, you know, about the book and there's a link to the book, no one buys it. Mm-hmm. Maybe 500 people like it. But if I send a message to those 500 people, probably a hundred of them buy the book. Wow. Interesting. Um, Makes sense though. Yeah. And so I just found that like a one-on-one direct ask, um, is dramatically the most effective thing. And I haven't seen other authors do that. Hmm. And, um, it's like, it's not that hard, right? It's like a copy paste sure. message. Like it's not like, this is not mind blowing. Right. Um, and it like has a super high effectiveness rate. Hmm. And um, so that's the thing that's actually worked the best. That's been my sort of hashtag secret. So now, you know, the family jewels. I know it all now. This feels like really, <laughs> feel really special on this, uh, on this regard. Well, and I, and I will tell you this, you know, obviously we, the, the, the authors that we work with, our goal is to get them sort of a, a to, to be a number one new release in their category and to get out the board. You know, they're not necessarily in the, in the social media marketing world of those ambitions. But what I tell them is like, you will get almost no one to you post anything on social media or anything like that they won't like they won't do it but one on one the best channels that my authors have found is facebook messenger yep. whatsapp and 100% texting. 100% those are the three okay. things so i think 100%. i think to your point if it's the family jewels, then you and I have the same jewels because Great. I think it is. We just, uh, we've just we've just told everyone though. Uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> and and it's probably a sense of life though, right? I think there's this. I think that it, like any platform, it's kind of sort of lost. It's some these platforms lose their luster where people are like influenced by them to take action. So we just want to be entertained. Well, and I think I think the thing to think about with social media is I always think about with digital marketing is that you know the three sort of stages, and this is the most simplistic model, but the model I, I like is awareness, engagement, conversion. I think social media is really good for awareness and engagement. I think it's pretty bad for conversion typically. So I think that's where your direct messaging, that's why that's so effective is because that's actually conversion. So use social media to get people thinking about the book, knowing about the book, getting their awareness up, getting them engaged with the concepts in the book. But ultimately, you're going to have to make the ask. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to have to do if you want Mm -hmm. them to actually click purchase. Mm Man, that's a that sounded like really, really like smart just right there. Like uh, that's like a, <laughs> just I, I felt like wise. Like can you can you call my mom and tell her that? I, I really I mean, know. You have to use the positive validation. I feel like we need like some like like you know what I was saying? like that low gladiator movie music. You've seen Gladiator, right? Like oh, that sort yeah. of music that comes mm-hmm. up like and then and then I want to feel like there's like drums hitting and then the ask. Wait, who's who's Russell Crowe? You or me? I'm 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 probably not Russell Crowe. I feel like you're Russell Crowe. I, Crow say, I don't case. think I'm Russell Crowe. No, no, no. Yeah, you're I, definitely Russell Crowe. I feel more like we're Van Wilder or something like that. In we'll our, do our, a Twitter yeah. poll. Yeah, it's gonna be we'll not be not not gonna be me. Um. So so last thing, and then I have a little bit of a thing I always like to end on. So the last thing that I want to ask about your book experience. So um so 
What do you think you would, if you go back to yourself when you started the book three years ago, what's the one thing you would tell yourself or the couple things you would sort of tell yourself differently about starting that process out? That's probably like, hey, now that I know what I am, you know, you're like two and a half weeks at this point or when it comes out, your books come out. What's the thing you'd tell yourself differently? Mm, mm, this is a good question. Mm, thank you. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> things I do differently. I mean, there's a lot. I think on the actual book writing, I think... I I think I didn't realize how much rewriting I would do to get it mm-hmm. to where I was satisfied with it. Yep. Um, and that was a very good, like fun process, actually, just like making those incremental improvements over and over. But I think, you know, the f- idea with writing of feedback early and often is just even that is probably understating. I mean, at the end of the day, I probably have about 15 external readers mm-hmm. in addition to my agent read it. Uh, I had my editor, I had copy editor, proofreader. Um, so that's 19 people who are giving me feedback throughout mm-hmm. the process. Mm-hmm. And that probably wasn't even enough. You know what I mean? Like right. it's right. just, you, you find when you're gathering feedback, you know, ultimately um, art and I, creativity, I think is all about the relationship with the audience. I don't believe in you know creativity just for my own sake. I think it's gratuitous. I think it's about the impact you have in the audience. And so since that's the goal, I think getting feedback early and often is literally the whole point, mm-hmm. right? Because you literally, if the point of the art, the point of the creation is to inspire an action, inspire an emotion, inspire a thought um, within the person reading it, consuming it, whatever, then I think getting that feedback is really, 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 really critical. And so, um, you know, I think the notion of the novelist going off into the woods and, you know, only returning when they type the words at the end is a farce, but it's even more <laughs> a farce than I realized. Yeah. I think that's the biggest insight. You shared something that is the biggest insight for me. And so I, I'm in the, you know, I help all these people create books. And so when I was going through my process, the biggest single thing that I did was get my own coach to help me through that process. Her name is yeah, Jillian. Totally. And like that thing, I mean, well, I Jillian. plenty of readers and other people involved, but like having that person who helps you, coaches you, makes you better was so, so, so important. So, you know, if I tell people all the time, the single most important thing you can do is find a coach in the, in the creation experience because it's hard it's like isolating and lonely and like you want to quit. So I totally agree with you on that front. It's awesome. Totally. And that's one of the the things with having like a traditional publisher, like you have an editor who acts as that coach. And I think Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're not using traditional publisher, I think finding someone who can be that person who's like just in the intellectual weeds with you and sort of guiding Mm -hmm. you. Like I, that is just, it's essential. Mm-hmm. She came to me at one point and there's, I think three main, four main parts. One of the parts she told me, you need to rewrite the whole thing. I was like, what? This is like the <laughs> time I've rewritten it. No, but she was right. I mean, I'm so glad she did, but it was like, I needed someone who would, who wasn't afraid to punch me in the mouth. And that's what was great. Well, I mentioned this in the book, but you know, there's this myth of JK Rowling as being this person who just like got hit with the idea for Harry Potter and the book popped out of her. The true story mm-hmm. is it took her five years to write the first book. And she had 15 separate versions of the first chapter. So like, wow. So like book writing for even the most successful, you know, most famous wealthiest authors is still highly, highly, highly iterative. And if you think Mm -hmm. your first draft sucks, A, it does. And B, it sucks for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I tell people, my goal with people to go through this one is to get them to, what I tell them is a a very mediocre first draft. Yeah, Because if you can get to a very (laughs) mediocre first draft, then you can at least make it and do a good book. You know, but you can't, if you you don't, 
just go for mediocre. It's funny. The funniest thing, Alan, as soon as I told people that, the quality of those mediocre first drafts went up dramatically because people stopped trying <laughs> to write sure. such a great thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So just try and get something out there um, for sure, which is awesome. Um, and that, and again, I will give you the same data. It's a uh, 98% of it comes from direct sales from our author. So wow. you're, you're, you're that's amazing for you. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah they, they, uh, it's interesting because what we do is the first thing we do is have them post this. And typically they get like two to four, you know, this first sort of week, two to four orders and uh, out of that one and the rest of it, the next, you know, the next hundred all come from direct sales. Kind of crazy. Crazy. That's yeah. crazy. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. And that's something that I think a lot of authors just aren't willing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But the average new book only sells 2000 copies. The average mainstream published book only sells 2000 mm-hmm. copies. Like, I don't think people mm-hmm. realize how hard it is to sell like even 10,000 books. You know what I mean, it's just yeah. like many, most books don't sell all hardly anything. The average book in general is sells less than 200 copies. And that includes all crazy. the whole long tail. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy to think. Um, well, Alan, this has been great. I remember earlier you said you, uh, you know, you haven't hung out with your friends as much because of uh, all this craziness here, but I will say thank you for hanging out with me. I feel special in this regard and uh, beers soon. I, I hope um, I would, I would love that. <laughs> We will do it. Get through the book launch and uh, and congratulations and everything. This has been fun and hopefully it was not the most uh, the, the the standard old interview you've done before. Bye. Bye.